0: Whistleblowers usually report on cases of waste, fraud, abuse, or illegality in a simple effort to right a wrong. But the whistleblowing sometimes takes on a life of its own, and the case becomes something more than righting a wrong. It becomes an effort to change the culture that allowed the wrong to take place in the first place. After all, how effective can whistleblowing be if it doesn't serve to fix a system that has been corrupted? I'm John Kiriakou. Welcome to The Whistleblowers. Our next guest, Jane Turner, was a trailblazer in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. She joined the FBI in 1978 and became the organization's first SWAT member. SWAT is the Special Weapons and Tactics Team. She investigated some of the most high-profile crimes of the past 40 years, including the abortion clinic bombings and the Central Park Preppy murder. She was involved in the capture of Christopher Boyce, whose story was told in the film The Falcon and the Snowman and she worked on the case of Gary Allen Ridgway, the so-called Green River Killer, who murdered 49 women in Washington state. In 1999, Jane Turner brought to the attention of her management team serious misconduct concerning failures to investigate and prosecute crimes against children on Native American reservations in the state of North Dakota. She also reported on the criminal theft of property from the 9-11 Ground Zero crime scene. And just to make matters worse, Her superiors discriminated against her just because she was a smart and accomplished woman. In the end, Jane Turner sued the FBI and won a large monetary settlement. Beyond that, government watchdog groups used her case to demand the FBI and the broader federal government address the issues of whistleblowing and retaliation. Jane Turner, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you.
1: Thank you, John. I'm just delighted to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. Jane, I'd like to begin with your own whistleblowing and then move on to some broader issues. First, tell us about that whistleblowing. You had what looked like a stellar career. You were a trailblazer, as I said, at the FBI. You had been there for more than 20 years. You had worked on major cases, cases that most people in the general public would know. And then over the course of two years from 1999 to 2001, everything seemed to just fall on your head. Take us through that period.
1: Uh, you're absolutely correct, uh, John. I had some incredible cases. I had an incredible career until I blew uh, the whistle on misconduct in Indian country, which is where I was working. I was a senior resident agent. That is someone who has authority over the area that they supervise. I had 14,000 square miles, oh. uh, 13 sheriffs, one who told me he didn't think women should be in law enforcement. But it was a huge responsibility. I had two FBI agents who were under me, one who was really a terrible agent, really terrible. And it turned out that he had closed a case where a young child, a five-year-old, had been brutally sexually assaulted. And uh, he closed it as a car accident because he appeared not to want to work those cases. They are messy cases, as you know, um, working with kids. But I brought it to the attention of my SAC, Special Agent in Charge, down in Minneapolis. I I flew down there and let him know it. And the retaliation started uh, immediately.
0: My goodness, your case ended up becoming much bigger than just Jane Turner. The General Accounting Office, now called the Government Accountability Office, cited your case as an example of what should not happen in government with whistleblowers, and they urged reforms for the Department of Justice. Soon after that report was published, Congress held hearings about whistleblower retaliation across government and your case was cited as a prime example of retaliation. So first, tell us how your whistleblowing affected the remainder of your career. And second, tell us how government policy on whistleblowers changed because of your case.
1: Well, John, as you know, um, being a CIA whistleblower, that uh, uh, whistleblowers are uh, persecuted and prosecuted. That happened to you and uh, I was certainly persecuted and it went to trial. Uh, The jury found that all those allegations that they lodged against me, that they used in my performance report, were not true. Um, We had federal agents, Native American law enforcement and assistant United States attorneys who came to the trial and talked about the fact that these procedural errors, the FBI, had put on my performance report were not correct and were false. And that historically my work was outstanding and showed no decline. The U.S. uh, Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit noted that. It was a 10-year battle. And John, you're not uh, a stranger to this, not at all. You've been through it. And the government uh, is relentless when they go after whistleblowers. Your career is over, I've never gotten anything in law enforcement sense, uh, Mm -hmm. same as you have experienced. They blackball you, you're marginalized. It's it's, it's tough to be a whistleblower. It just is tough.
0: It is tough indeed. Since leaving government, you have become the director and chair of the National Whistleblower Center here in Washington, D.C. How did you make that jump, and why did you decide to devote yourself to whistleblower issues? I mean, obviously it was because of your own case, but I say this with a smile on my face. So many former FBI agents that I know choose instead to cash in on their experience, and they go into the corporate world, usually in security. You didn't do that. You instead devoted yourself to protecting whistleblowers. Why did you make that decision?
1: Well, what you said is absolutely correct, John. Uh, the, the people who retaliated against me after they retired, of course, nothing happened to them, they went into the corporate world and got really high paying jobs. I, on the other hand, could not get another job um, because the FBI certainly put out the word that uh, I was a flawed human being and uh, they continue that uh, to today. So. After hearing other whistleblower stories, after being helped by uh, Fred Whitehurst, a well-known FBI whistleblower, I decided to forward the favor that he gave me and uh, to help whistleblowers. The attorney who represented me, Stephen Cohn from Cohn, Cohn & Colopinto, who is the world's leading whistleblower firm, Mm -hmm. um, he took my case, he won my case. And uh, I have worked with him ever since. I have joined on to the National Whistleblower Center, like you said, and am a reporter and a podcaster for Whistleblower Network News, and bring these stories to light because their stories are important. And all the whistleblower tribe and communities have noticed the same things happening when government comes down on you or private business or law enforcement agencies. The same kind of things happen, retaliation, uh, the, the, being ostracized, being kicked out of the tribe that they're in at that time. So um, it's, it's a tough, tough uh, road, the whistleblower road, and I wanna help those people.
0: Tell us a little bit about some of the work that's being done at the National Whistleblower Center right now. You work with whistleblowers from all walks of life, not just those in national security, not even just those in government. Uh, tell us what, uh, what you're focused on.
1: Well, the focus is mainly on helping whistleblowers get through the trauma because, as you are well aware, John, again, it can be a very traumatic and damaging experience uh, to be a person of integrity and then have the government or your job, whatever it is in the private industry, state government, sure. uh, tell you that uh, you're not a person of integrity, that you know, you're something less. And uh, we wanna bring it to the public's attention that whistleblowers are people of integrity are courageous and um they deserve they deserve justice in that respect we're starting a campaign for national whistleblower day for all whistleblowers it's a grassroots uh uh, a campaign to help whistleblowers and to make uh, national whistleblower day permanent by executive order by President Biden. Wow. We believe we can get this done. We believe that we can change the culture concerning this idea of whistleblowers being a skunk at the picnic, mm-hmm. as Senator Cressley says. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really, really are intent on getting this done. And if people will go to www.nwdcampaign.org, or go to Whistleblower Network News, or whistleblower, um, the National Whistleblower Center, they can find what's going on with this campaign. We're very excited. Uh, We want to get you involved, John. Uh, We think it's best for whistleblowers. And we want to change the culture.
0: And that's the key right there. You know, one of, the, one of the big events that you have every year is the National Whistleblower's Luncheon that takes place in the summer. And uh, I've been several times, and there are hundreds and hundreds of whistleblowers all gathered together. One of the most fun things about that event is that there are some very important people from Capitol Hill, who attend and who give speeches. You mentioned a moment ago Senator Grassley, a Republican, a very senior Republican from Iowa. There are other members of Congress that attend as well. Tell me a little bit about the support that whistleblowers and that the National Whistleblower Center uh, get from Capitol Hill. Do you see things improving there?
1: I do, I do see it. Uh, National Whistleblower Center has worked closely with politicians, with Congress, in Washington, D.C. Siri Nelson is now the executive director of National Whistleblower Center. And by working with these politicians, we're hoping to make the culture better for whistleblowers. In fact, President Biden even came out after the anti-money laundering bill was passed and said whistleblowers are critically important for national security and for our economic uh, development. So if you have people saying things like that, John, why aren't we holding whistleblowers up as the people of integrity, of honesty, and courage that they are? And that includes you, John.
0: Tell us a little bit about uh, about pending legislation on Capitol Hill. You know, we, we've got a National Whistleblower Protection Act. Uh, it, unfortunately, national security whistleblowers are exempt from its protections, but the FBI has made yeah. some inroads there. Is there other legislation that you're working on or fighting for to protect whistleblowers?
1: Well, right now, we are trying to gather together uh, people in Congress in order to help us with these ventures on whistleblowers and whistleblowing. Um, We're trying to develop people like Senator Grassley who can help, whether they be Democratic or Republican, we don't care. It's a bipartisan effort, and uh, like I said, ours is a grassroots uh, uh, campaign, and we have whistleblowers who are running it. We have uh, Sharon Watkins, Mm -hmm. we have myself, Fred Whitehurst, we have all these really impressive people, whistleblowers, who are coming to the forefront. That's the only way we're gonna get things changed, because as you well know, um, people are scared of whistleblowers. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's true. They are. And in many cases, they should be. We're speaking and with they F- should be. <laughs> We're speaking with FBI whistleblower Jane Turner. We're going to take a short break and come right back. Please stay tuned. We have a lot more coming up. We need to counter the Russian state-controlled narrative.
1: Als Teil der Sanktionen gegen Russland gehen die westlichen Länder
0: gegen russische Auslandssender vor. Aber, Herr Präsident, es ist nicht an Sie, wer journalistisch ist oder nicht in diesem Land. Wir sind in Frankreich. Es ist nicht möglich. Wir werden
1: in der Europäischen Union die Kremlins Medienmaschine verletzen. The state-owned Russia Today and Sputnik.
0: RT Sputnik, even our video agency, roughly all banned on YouTube.
1: Et merci à vous tous pour votre fidélité et votre soutien.
0: NATO's approach towards Ukraine is full of contradictions. We are told a win for Russia is a defeat for the West, but Ukraine is not a member of the military alliance. We're told NATO is not part of the conflict, but it has been supporting Kiev militarily since 2014. NATO says it wants Russia to be defeated, but it says nothing about peace. Hi, I'm Rick Sanchez. And I'm here to plead with you, whatever you do, do not watch my new show. Seriously, why watch something that's so different? Why listen to opinions that you won't get anywhere else? Look, if it pleases you to have the State Department, the CIA, weapons makers, multi billion dollar corporations choose your facts for you, go ahead. Why change? And whatever you do, don't watch my show. Stay mainstream, because I'm probably going to make you uncomfortable. My show is called direct impact. But again, you probably don't want to watch it, because it might just change the way you think. Welcome back to The Whistleblowers. I'm John Kiriakou. We're speaking with FBI whistleblower Jane Turner about her whistleblowing and her work at the National Whistleblower Center. Thanks for staying with us, Jane. You bet, John, a pleasure. Jane, I wanna ask you about some contemporary issues. Republicans in the House of Representatives have established something called the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Depending on the news outlet, the subcommittee either is exposing wrongdoing in government or it's wasting everybody's time. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about this. First, Matt Taibbi, who has been on this show, has been doing what I think is great work in exposing the FBI's involvement in policymaking at Twitter before Elon Musk bought the company. The Republicans love these revelations. The Democrats hate these revelations. First, give me your thoughts on what the FBI, the CIA, and the Departments of Defense and Homeland Security were doing at Twitter. Was any of this appropriate, in your view? Well.
1: John, you know, as you know, the FBI sometimes gets involved in situations that they should not be involved in. Mm-hmm. And that's why whistleblowers are so important is to bring transparency to our government. No matter if it's the FBI, the CIA, NSA, whistleblowers are critical to bring these acts of either malfeasance or corruption or misconduct to light. So I'm delighted they're looking at some of these issues.
0: Yeah. There are former CIA officers spread all over corporate America, usually in security, But oftentimes also in policy. This is especially prevalent in tech and in defense contractors. But now, thanks to the Twitter files, we see that former CIA and former FBI uh, officers and officials were active in social media companies, too. And we see that they had influence over corporate policy. Is this more common than Americans realize, or is this an outlier? And is it ever appropriate?
1: I think John that it's more common than the public realizes. Mm -hmm. And that's again I'm going to say that's why whistleblowers are so important is to bring these situations to light. It should not be happening.
0: Um, What do you think should be done about it. And let me preface that by saying um, you know At the CIA, they have a program called the Scholar-in-Residence Program. And what they do is they'll take senior CIA officers and place them in universities all across the country with the idea that you spend your last year or your last two years at the CIA on loan to these universities teaching courses. But more often than not, what happens is... Either the CIA officer retires in place and continues teaching uh, while staying in touch with the CIA or it acts as a recruiter on behalf of the CIA at that university. Uh, We also know that the FBI has a similar program and that FBI agents uh, either immediately after retirement or immediately before retirement go to companies or universities and essentially do the same thing. Uh, Is is that a good thing? Is it good for the public? Is it good for the university or for the company? Or is this something where we should really have a wall between these national security and federal law enforcement organizations and academia and business?
1: Well, they certainly, these corporations and businesses certainly seek out CIA and FBI people to sit, uh, like you said, on in security divisions, and um, that's a question that the American public should really take a look at, because it is quite common. I know of FBI agents that sit uh, with big corporations; they pay well, and as you know, whether it's the CIA or FBI or yep. NSA, you're always looking for that golden parachute as you, you know, get shoved out of the plane. So. Uh, There's a lot of them there. There's no two ways about it. There's a lot of them there. And yes, they are in contact with their agency, whether it be the FBI, CIA, or NSA.
0: Matt Taibbi uh, mentioned recently that uh, there was a retired CIA officer who was uh, working at the executive level in Twitter before Elon Musk bought the company and that there was this ongoing joke Uh, among other Twitter executives, that this person had never left the CIA, that he was actually still a current CIA officer, and uh, he was serving the CIA while at Twitter for God knows what, uh, what reason. But you're right. Jane, this is something that we all have to be aware of. We all have to be on the lookout for, and I think as whistleblowers or whistleblower advocates, whistleblower supporters, we need to be vocal in our opposition to it.
1: You're absolutely correct, John. You're absolutely correct. It's They're often used as a direct uh, conduit to the government, and we have to question if that's a healthy relationship or not.
0: Indeed. Jane, we've seen Indeed. several current and former FBI agents testify on Capitol Hill as to what they describe as inappropriate actions taken by the FBI in the immediate aftermath of the January 6th, 2021 riot. Republicans have lauded these men for their courage. Um, Indeed, we had one of them here on the show. But Democrats say that they are not whistleblowers. What is your view on this? It seems to me that at its most basic level, whistleblowing is very simply bringing to light evidence of wrongdoing. And isn't that what they did, regardless of their personal politics?
1: You're absolutely correct, John. Yeah, you're spot on there. And uh, we can't really sit in judgment of whether a person can be a whistleblower or not a whistleblower, Uh, if they bring something to light, uh, yes, they are a whistleblower. And we had uh, Steve Friend, uh, who uh, you know and I know, I had him on a podcast, and it was brought up just today, the fact that uh, Steve Friend had been kind of
0: maligned. Yes.
1: In his role, and of course, empower oversight, which is a whistleblowers and research group, and a friend of ours is also responsible for that, came out and said that there were false claims uh, that the DOJ slash OIG had rejected his allegations, and that was not true. Yes, and that was not true. So. You really have to be careful when you hear claims against whistleblowers that they're either not a whistleblower or their claims are not correct or have been rejected. Because as
0: Empower Oversight just noted, uh, they lied. I want to ask you about that. You're right. We had Stephen Friend on this show, and I've spoken to him a number of times. Uh, what was reported about Stephen Friend in the uh, in the national media following his testimony before this subcommittee was just simply not true. It said that he right. he had no uh, no personal firsthand experience in what it was he was testifying about. That's not true. It said that he was something of a malcontent at the. Uh, at the FBI. That was not true. He was a proud FBI agent. He had intended to make a lifelong career out of the FBI. Uh, And they never the, the media never addressed his allegations that he was taken off of a squad that had been set up to investigate sex crimes against children in order to participate in raids on the homes of people who had demonstrated peaceably on January 6, 2021. The media never touched on any of the allegations that he made, they chose instead just to attack him.
1: That is correct, but that should come as no surprise to either you or I, because in our careers, the same thing happened. You know, there were claims made against you, you were persecuted, and like I said, prosecuted, and there was no good reason for that, it's just this, idea of squashing a whistleblower and that's all it's about Um, Mr. Friend Steve Friend is a whistleblower and he should be considered that until proven otherwise that is uh, how we operate.
0: I think that is exactly right and those of us for whom whistleblowing is so important. Those of us who seek to, uh, to support whistleblowers and to encourage the work that they do uh, ought, to, ought to take this as a lesson. You know, in, in some ways, Stephen Friend got off easy in that he wasn't prosecuted. He was defamed, but he wasn't prosecuted. We look at people like uh, Daniel Hale, for example, the drone whistleblower. Uh, or, or Jeffrey Sterling, the CIA whistleblower, reality winner, the, the NSA Great. whistleblower, that had their lives utterly ruined uh, and, and did serious time in prison. That hasn't befallen Stephen Friend, but at the same time, the last time I had a conversation with a poor guy, uh, he asked me if, uh, if I had any job leads that I could pass to him. Now, here's, here's a man who, again, has devoted his life to law enforcement, was responsible in his treatment of the law and his in his observance of the law and he can't find work in his chosen field it's just simply not fair
1: yeah and he probably never will John that's the sad news I think uh, that's you're right. the sad news uh, you know it personally you were persecuted and prosecuted yeah. you know it personally I know it and that's just something a whistleblower has to live with that is what causes the trauma in a whistleblower's life it 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 and that's why we are doing this campaign in order to elevate them in our culture. They're people of integrity, honesty, courage, and you know they deserve to be treated that way as people of integrity.
0: You are absolutely right. We'll leave it there. I'd like to thank our guest Jane Turner for joining us and thanks to our viewers. Remember, not everything in life is a shade of gray. Some things are black and white. They are right or wrong. When confronted with waste, fraud, abuse, illegality, or threats to the public health or public safety, do the right thing. Blow that whistle. Until next time.